Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. We read about Thomas in the Gospel of St. John. So that's where I'm going to begin, in John chapter 11. And words should appear on the screen. So John chapter 11 tells us about uh, Jesus and the disciples and news they receive that their friend, Lazarus, is ill. He's sick. And now Lazarus lives in Bethany, about two miles outside Jerusalem. And Bethany uh, is, uh, as it were, within the danger zone for Jesus because last time Jesus was in Jerusalem, that he was threatened uh, by the uh, religious authorities in Jerusalem. So he's, he's elsewhere, but then the news comes, Lazarus is ill. And so the disciples and Jesus are waiting and they, they, they eventually make the decision to go to Jerusalem, despite the dangers that there are there. And there's just a little conversation between Thomas and everybody else. And it's in actually in um, John 11, verse uh, 14. Um, so uh, Thomas, called Didymus, which means twin, um, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. So this just little gives an insight into the character of Thomas. Let us also go that we may die with him. In other words, let's go with Jesus to Jerusalem that we may die with him. So what we read from this is that Thomas is a loyal and brave disciple of Jesus. Let us go. We'll go with you, Jesus. We'll go up to Jerusalem despite the dangers there in that place. We'll go there. Let us go that we may die with him. So let's not write Thomas off. He is a brave man. He's a loyal man. And the next time when he appears is in, is in uh, uh, John chapter 14. And there's a conversation between Jesus and Thomas. And in John 14... Um, we read that Jesus is telling the disciples that he's going to go, he's going to prepare a place for them. So he's speaking to them of his departure to heaven, his departure to glory. And he speaks to them and uh, he, he says to them, um, uh, after I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? We don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way there? So the objection that Thomas raises is a perfectly logical, apparently logical objection. We don't know where you're going, Jesus. So how on earth can we go there after you? Because we, we don't know where you at, where, where you're going. And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way to God is through Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So in order to get to God, you need to go through Jesus. So Jesus says to them, I am the way. 
And so Thomas, who's been thinking of some kind of journey, maybe Jesus is going to Athens or Rome or somewhere else. We don't know where Jesus is going, but he's going somewhere else, and we've got to follow him on a journey there. It's a quite different answer that he gives. I am the way. It isn't a case of a geographical journey setting out, and we're going to go off on a, on a, on a, on a hike somewhere. No, I am the way. Personally, I represent the way to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to get to the Father, then you have to go to Jesus because Jesus is the way. In another place, he says, I am the door. He is the way to the Father. I am the way. So Thomas's question is a logical question. How are we going to get to where you're going if we don't know where it is? So we, we, we see that Thomas is a loyal person at the beginning of the chapter. We see that he's a brave person. And we see that he's a person who is, yeah, he asks a, a, a question that makes perfect sense. So then we go to... Um, uh, we, 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 I, I want to, having said that, I want to go back to John chapter 11. Because here in John chapter 11, we read about the resurrection of Lazarus. And here I want to turn to what happens when Jesus and the disciples go up to see Lazarus in Bethany. And it is a, an extraordinary event. Jesus and the disciples arrive in Bethany, and when they get there, they are met by Mary and Martha, and Lazarus has already died. And there are conversations between Jesus and Martha that he will rise again. And then we read in this chapter that Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus. And Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? And then Jesus prays, as Father, thank you that you've heard me. And then verse 43, when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of cloth, linen, and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So they go up to Bethany. They go to the family. Lazarus has died. Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus. People are watching. People have come to commiserate with the family. Thomas is present. They go a little way from where the house is. They see a tomb. There is a stone rolled in front of the tomb. Jesus says, take it away. Martha objects. He's, he's dead, Lord. He's died. He died. He died of an illness. You went here to, to heal him, and so he died. And, and Jesus says to Lazarus, 
come forth and commands him and he comes out of the tomb and he walks out still wrapped in the grave clothes and Jesus says take those off him and let him go and I I want you to see this extraordinary miracle this miracle of resurrection of Lazarus it's there about two or three times when Jesus raised the dead he raised the widow of Nain's son so he he has raised the dead before but here he raises Lazarus and it is an extraordinary miracle he's been dead some days And he comes out of the tomb. Now, what I want to say to you is this, that Lazarus, when he comes out of the tomb, comes out of the tomb healed. Lazarus comes out in the body that he died in. He comes out healed. He must have been healed because if he hadn't been healed, he would have died again. So he's raised from the dead and simultaneously healed in his body as he comes out of the tomb. So Lazarus walks out and Lazarus is going to live a a normal lifespan. He's going to live and then eventually at the end of his life, his mortal body, he will die. So what I want to just make the point about is that he comes out in his mortal body and he comes out healed. So that's the thing that I, I want to say about Lazarus. Now, So extraordinary is the miracle of the raising of Lazarus that it causes a stir because people who have visited Bethany see what's happened and so they, 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 are, they, they come to believe in Jesus. We, 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 we read that, therefore many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and put their faith in him. So uh, then we read, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done, and the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, so that the, the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead is a trigger for the plot against Jesus. The fact that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead sets wheels in motion politically and religiously in the, in the, the governing elite of Jerusalem. And it, they decide, because he's done this, we have got to get rid of Jesus. Because if he's going to raise the dead, if the miracles of Jesus are going to reach such a proportion, there will be such a stir in Jerusalem that we must get rid of this man. So the miracle of the raising of Lazarus has a, as a, as an effect upon the, the, the thinking of the religious authorities in Jerusalem. And, and Lazarus himself, as I say, has come out. He's going to live on in, in Bethany with his two sisters. So then, what's going to happen next? Well, we're going to, to, to see, um, I, 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 we, we haven't got time to look at it, but of course, the Holy Week takes place, the events of Holy Week occur, the, the, the triumphal entry of Jerusalem, and then Monday, Thursday, and then the crucifixion, and Jesus is crucified. Until we get to Easter Day, which we celebrated last Sunday. Until we get to Easter Day. And, and we're going to turn now to John chapter 20. Because John chapter 20 is, is what we celebrated last Sunday. The first Easter, the day of the resurrection, the Sunday of the resurrection. So if we turn to John chapter 20, 
we, we read what happens. So this is from verse 19 of John chapter 20. Now this, this occasion occurs um, in uh, a room in Jerusalem and Thomas is not present. Thomas is not present. So there are actually only 10 disciples in the room. So there were 12, not Judas, and Thomas is absent. So that leaves 10. So there are 10 disciples in the room and Jesus is going to, to appear to them, the resurrected Christ. So we read this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be to you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. This is the time collectively when the, the ten see the Lord. He comes to them and stands among them. He stands among them in a room where the door is locked. He stands among them in a room where the door is locked. So, this is, so he's, he's able to do this. So his body is not quite the same as it was before. He stands among them and yet he is the same Jesus because he showed them his hands and his side. Shows them his hands with the scars of the nails where he'd been crucified and he shows them his side because he had been a spear had been thrust into his side in order to ensure that he was dead. So there is a mark in his side where the spear had been put and his hands have got the marks of the nails. So that the resurrection of Jesus, yes, he's raised from the dead, but there are some things in his resurrection body that are exactly the same as as when he, he was crucified. So in other words, it is the same Jesus. The scars, the, the, nail, the nail prints and the spear mark is an indication that it is the same Christ. When he shows them his hands and his side, they see it is Jesus. It is, it's not somebody else. It is Jesus himself that we are seeing. And when they, they saw that, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Overjoyed. They'd been down in the dumps. They'd been shattered. They'd been frightened. They'd been dispersed. And now they see the Lord and they are overjoyed because they see that he's come back from the dead, that he is alive and alive forevermore. And they see him and they see his hands and his feet. And I want to say to you, friends, that Jesus is nail marks in his hands and the spear mark in his side, they're still there. They're still there. In glory, when Jesus ascended to heaven, the, he, he still had the nail marks in his hands. He still had the, the marks of the spear. He had the marks in his feet. In other words, Jesus carries in his body for all eternity, the marks of the crucifixion. He carries in his body the evidence of his love for us 
when he redeemed us. And I want to say that when you see Jesus and when I see Jesus, I will recognize him as the disciples did by the fact that his hands have nail marks in and his side so shows the sign of the spear. We, the redeemed in glory, the redeemed in heaven, the redeemed forever, will have those, those marks of his redemption before us, those wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified, as an old hymn says. I want, I want you to see that when Jesus stretches out his hand, he stretched out a nail-pierced hand. There is an occasion in the book of Acts, you know, when they, they, pre, they, they pray, and they pray, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal. This is about Acts chapter 4. Well, I wanted to know that the, 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 the hand that Jesus stretches out to heal is itself a hand that has been wounded. I want you to know that the Christ who reaches out to you is a Christ who has himself suffered. And his healing power comes from the fact that you, you know that his love is a redeeming love. That love that he has for you is able to put you together again, is able to heal you, is able to make you whole, is able to make you live. Friends, I want to tell you that the Christ we worship is a Christ who deeply loves us, who's shown his love for us by the wounds that are in his hands and his feet. Now, he says to them, Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. This is verse 21. As the Father hath sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father hath sent me, even so am I sending you. I want you to see that the day of the resurrection is a day of commission to mission. The day of the resurrection is a day when he says, as the Father sent me, so in other words, from glory to the earth, from the glory of heaven to the earth, so the analogous situation from the glory of that resurrection room to the rest of the world. As the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. They are commissioned to mission. And you know, if you read in the book of Acts, you will find that they preached the resurrection. Acts chapter 2, they preached the cross. Of course, they preached the cross. And they preached the resurrection. In fact, the two, of course, go together. You preach the cross, but then the cross leads to the resurrection. So you will find that the church declared the resurrection. And if you, you, you read through the book, book of Acts and you see what the apostles preached, you will discover that they preached about the resurrection. He is alive forevermore. He has conquered death. He has, he has dealt with the last enemy that is death. He's dealt with the enemy of the human race, which is death, and he is alive forevermore. And Hebrews 7 says he lives by the power of an endless life. Friends, I want to tell you, that this life that we live is a mortal life. But Christ has risen from the dead. 
That's why I believe in life after death. That's why I believe that this life is not all there is. But there's more to come because Jesus is alive from the dead. Hallelujah. And as the Father sent me. So those two things, you know, knowing about the cross. And the disciples knew about the cross, but they knew about the resurrection. Those two things prepare them for the mission that they will undertake. And they will turn the world upside down. They will go out across the, the nations to tell of the love of Christ. Friends, I want to know that that commissioning moment occurs at the Easter day itself. Now, we're talking about Thomas, and we read uh, verse 24, Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He's absent. So, so you see, sometimes when you stay away from, from the church, you miss something. And, and, and Thomas is not there. And, and uh, the disciples, of course, go and tell Thomas what they've seen, that Jesus has risen, that Jesus is alive. They've seen the nail marks. They've seen him. He's, he's there. So, <clears throat> they say, so, they, so the other disciples, verse 25, told him, we've seen the Lord. Of course they, hear, they tell him that. They, they find him. So perhaps this is on Monday or Tuesday, but you know he's not there on Sunday, but very quickly, when they get a chance, they go and find Thomas. Thomas, you should have been with us on Sunday because we saw the Lord. And, and so Thomas hears from his friends that the Lord has risen. Now, you might expect Thomas would say, wonderful, but he doesn't. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. So Thomas, brave Thomas, loyal Thomas, logical Thomas, refuses to believe. And I, I want to say, you know, that to know about the resurrection, you know largely from the testimony of others, from the testimony of the church. Over the centuries, the church has borne witness to the resurrection. And they have he has 10 people telling him, we've seen the Lord. 10 people saying, we saw the nail marks, we saw him. 10 people, friends of his, people he knows well. And yet Thomas, through obstinacy, through through because he's been traumatized by the crucifixion, he says, I won't believe it unless I see. And I guess the church does need people who are prepared to ask the difficult questions. I guess the church does need those people because he, he was one of the 12. He was selected by Jesus. So I guess the church does need those, but What's going to happen? Well, he's going to maintain his obstinate position for another few days. So suppose they tell him on Monday, well, he's going to be in that position for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the following Sunday occurs. And that's this Sunday, the Sunday after Easter. 
So this particular Sunday, because we, we read these words. Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So this is exactly where we are, this, the Sunday after Easter Sunday. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So Thomas is with them. He hasn't broken away from the disciples. He's with them. He's with them in the, in the house. And though the doors were locked, so this is the same as before, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be to you. Greeting of peace. Greeting of peace. And then Jesus says to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So Jesus appears. There are now 11 disciples in the room. And Jesus turns and speaks specifically in front of everybody to Thomas. And he says, reach out your hand and put your finger here, see, and put your hand into my side. So see the mark in my hand. And the first thing to notice is this. Jesus knew what Thomas had said. Jesus knew that Thomas had said on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, unless I see the nail marks, unless I put my hand at his side, I won't believe. So Jesus knew what Thomas had said. And I, I want to say to you, you know, Jesus knows what you've said. He knows what you said. Here, unbelieving Thomas's words have been heard by Jesus. And the second thing I want to say to you is that Jesus is prepared to provide the evidence that Thomas has asked for. Thomas has been stubborn. He's been obstinate. I won't believe. And Jesus provides him with the evidence that he's asked for. Jesus is prepared to meet the doubter. Jesus is prepared to meet the one who's uncertain. And he says, reach out your hand. See, it is me. And Thomas replies this, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Thomas turns from doubt to worship. Thomas turns from doubt, I won't believe, to worship my Lord and my God. Thomas makes that journey from doubt to faith to worship. Thomas makes that journey and he sees the risen Christ. He sees the Christ who has been slain. If you read the book of Revelation, you'll find that when they, the church worship, they see the lamb as it had been slain of, of Christ. The same, the same thought is there. They see the lamb as it had been slain. And Thomas worships, my Lord and my God. 
So it's the first time, really, that the, the, the gospel makes a, a, a profession, someone in the gospel, about the divinity of Christ, about the divinity. It's implied, but here it's stated, my Lord and my God, because he is the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And then at the end of the gospel, my Lord and my God, and he sees and he worships. There's one other thing here, because Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believed. Well, I'm in that category. And I guess you are too. Blessed are those who've not seen me and yet have believed. I am in, you are in, if you believe in the resurrection, the category of the blessed. Blessed are those who've not seen. I have had the privilege of seeing the risen Christ. I haven't seen his nail marks. One day I will, but I haven't seen his nail marks. I haven't seen him stand before me a few feet away from me. I haven't seen that. But one day I will. But blessed are you who've not seen and yet have believed. So we're, we're in that category. So let's be like those disciples who are overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Do you know, we don't know a lot about Thomas after that. But what, we, what tradition tells us is that he went out and preached the gospel. And in fact, others went west to Athens and to Rome. He went east. And by tradition, he went to India, Pakistan and India, and down to that continent. So Thomas carried out the mission. He, though he wasn't in the room on Easter Day when, the, when Jesus said, as the Father sent me, even so send I you, yet Thomas went out like the others, and completed the ministry that he was given to complete. May the Lord help us to complete the ministry that he's given us to complete. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.